Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Vicky Fleetwood, and you're listening to the Mall Over Rugby podcast. Uh, hello, and welcome to the world's most infrequent rugby podcast, <laughs> uh, the Mall Over. Um, back by, I mean, you could argue popular demand. It definitely isn't. Um, but there are some people out there that want to listen to um, us talk about rugby and what's going on and by us i mean most people just want to listen to doug i think but we'll get there eventually um first of all let me introduce the uh who will be the undoubtedly the voice of reason the arbiter of of doug and i's um insane rantings and whenever we get off on too much of a tangent i'm hoping ben you'll be able to keep us moderately grounded but it is the nicest man in Cornish Rugby Podcasting, Ben Eustace, how you doing? Good, mate. Grabbing the issue by the scruff of the waist. Yes, like that. Yeah. Really, really by the by the collar, by the cuffs. <laughs> Going to grab the issue by the cuffs. Um, and also, <laughs> um, well, needs no introduction. Everyone's favourite uh, cameraman, the uh, the Chinese lensman. How is it, Doug? Not bad, mate. Uh, it's been a hell of a week, hasn't it? Tell it taking time out of your your busy schedule, um, arguing with people on on Twitter to to come and have a a chat with us this evening. The one person it's we are missing. You think you've met every cunt in the world. There's there's always one. There's always one that's slightly worse than everyone else. And just when you think you've got to that level, somebody else pops up. That, that, is that comment is that comment is funnier if you could see Doug right now on <laughs> on the car. <laughs> uh, yeah, ab- yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's let's get into it. And Ben, let, let's come to you first, right? Because out of all of us, out of all of us, and and that's including the farm vet who occasionally uh, pops up on Twitter, um, having forgotten the mall over the mall over podcast uh, login. And to be clear, there's only two people that ever tweet from that account. And, and that's me and Doug. Um, usually to, and, to, and to be I'm, fair, I've stopped doing it because every time I do, I just imagine you, Ben and Phil's eyes rolling to the back <laughs> of their skull with every single tweet. Well, it, it, it doesn't mind because, you know, I'm notorious of engaging with um, imbeciles on Twitter. And I've often done it from the the group account and then gone, oh, I wish I'd just done that from my own account because I feel sorry for, for Ben and Phil. Don't feel sorry for you, Doug, because you do exactly the same as what I do. So yeah, don't don't ever feel sorry for me. Not that you would anyway. I'm not not once did I suggest I do. <laughs> um, but yes, so Ben, um you bloody idiot. You don't know what you're talking about. Educate yourself. <laughs> well, you know, consider yourself educated. Ben, you've been you've been quiet. Well, I say quiet. You have been quiet on this on this whole issue outside of our our private conversations. Um, what have you made of the last ten days from the RFU? Well, I mean, it's a it is a clown show, isn't it? And I I I'll level with you. I'm against it, um, but. Um, I think. Can I surprise you? Yeah. Can I shock you? Um, it, it's what what annoys me about it is that 
if they were more honest about it and just said, look, we don't want to get sued. This is why we're doing it. I could kind of understand it, but it, it's always put down as uh, to protect players and stuff like that. It, it's, it's not. It's to protect the RFU from getting sued um, so they can say that they've done something. Um, you know, if it, it, they said it today on, on egg chases, but, you know, I've been saying it for a long time. If they really wanted to cut down on head injuries, it, it, it and you know you wouldn't have to worry about high tackles if you just cut the number of games. You know we've said before maybe cut the European game down, cut down to eight games or something like that, and then it wouldn't. You know, but the, then there'd be less games, which would cost money for the people in charge. So it's not going to happen. But if they really, really wanted to, you know, protect players, then they would just play less games. You could maybe put the premiership in conferences or something like that. But I think it's like a, it's almost like a fig leaf so that the RFU can say, well, look, we've done something. We've, you've made a radical change. And whether, you know, it is going to now slip back up, ironically, to chest height. Well, you know, fingers crossed maybe that it does. I, I think I agree with what someone said where, you're never aiming to hit someone above sort of chest nipple height. So, you know, it's not the end of the world if that happens, but I just don't think that they're really being honest about the reasons for it. Um, but, you know, I haven't said a lot about it because I think arguing about it on, on Twitter doesn't do a lot of good because everyone's just entrenched with, with what they think now. And I think the consensus is it's a bad one, but, you know, there was a there was a guy that you know added me and wanted to know what I thought and you know I didn't particularly want to engage with it, but also who, I don't... who added who added you Ben? Oh, I can't remember the guy's name. He added me and Phil. Oh, um, what, is it because, because oh he added you and Phil? That's because Doug was an, it was mid mall over ramp. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, and your names no, were I, on. I, the, I think um, what he was... What he was getting at was trying to create trouble for individuals personally. Yeah, I think I think I think there's just like different groups of people, and it, you know, some some are worth getting angry at, and some aren't. I think you know anyone with a genuine brain injury or that is related to someone that has, I don't think there's any point getting into an argument with them because you know they've definitely got a valid point of view. And I think even sort of these concussion experts, you know, you, you, we all know their names, but they're, they're kind of just doing their job. They, they don't really care about rugby because that's not what they're, they're meant to do. It's a bit like, um, like an expert on road safety might say, well, ideally we bring the, the, the maximum speed on the road down to 20 miles an hour, but it's up to the authorities in charge to then. Do you know who they remind me of? And it's just popped into my head. Have you have you ever been on a speed awareness course? <laughs> right. They remind me of the geezer. That Special run, kind of prick that runs them in it. The, yeah. the geezer that runs the speed awareness course that says, I'm not here to teach you how to be a better driver. Just here to tell you how to get away with being, doing more speeding. <laughs> and that's kind of what it feels like. Like... But but you, you might you might employ a doctor who knows about what happens to people in crashes, and he might say, "Well, if you want to save everybody's lives, no one goes above twenty miles an hour, even on the motorway." But the people that make the laws then take that into account, but go, "If everyone drove at twenty miles an hour on the motorway, no one would ever get anywhere, and everyone would be getting out of their cars and hitting each other with spanners." So, so they they set the laws to take that into account, but without completely going over the top. Um, and, you know, we, we had um, Dr. Eric on a few months ago, and I, I actually thought he was great on the podcast because he didn't patronise us. You know, he, he just set out his view and let us make up our own mind. Um, I think the people that, that annoy probably all of us, and certainly Doug, are the people that are just agreeing with it. Um, you know, and I think some of them have got half an eye on, you know, they want to write for a rugby magazine or get on the telly or something. And you've just got the other people that, just want to look look clever um and th and they get very patronizing and it's like that just mildly irritates me and i switch i close twitter or tweet about the apprentice 
but I think some of the rest of us don't take it quite so lying down, which probably to their credit rather than my own. That's that's true. I mean, to be honest, I'd rather see some of the fucking amoebas from The Apprentice in charge of the RFU <laughs> than Bill Sweeney at the minute. So, um, uh, and 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 one one last one last sort of thing. Thank thank you for letting me drivel on a little bit, but I I think part of the reasoning for it is they brought in a lot of safety rules in, you know, for example, the NFL and you've got things like not hitting the quarterback and not hitting receivers quite as, as frequently. And they've, they've increased the scoring and probably increased the viewing. And I think it might not be the primary reason that a lot of these changes are coming in, but I don't think people that are holding the purse strings think it's a a reverse to it. I think they think, Oh, it's a nice little byproduct that we're going to get here. Um, You know, and things can be, and the, and the game's become less and less watchable, but there's been there's more and more highlights. And I think it was said on Egg Chasers as well. You know, that's something they're looking at because they can get it on TikTok. Um, and, you know, that's something we've been saying for a while as well. Um, so, yeah. So um, we all know that this law change isn't going to work because we've all been needing the face missing a tackle. Um, and, and, you know, that that's what's going to happen. Or you're going to hit a hit. And, and we, we, we can all tell you 10 different bits of play where someone's going to get grabbed around the shoulder. And is it going to be a penalty or is it going to have to be ignored? Either way, the rule change isn't working. So, yeah. Can yeah. we say it's badly thought out? Yeah, well, we can definitely say it's badly thought out. And we can definitely say it's been badly delivered. Met The message has been badly delivered and whoever's in charge of of that delivery and comms from the RFU um, should be sacked. Uh, it's probably, you know, something to do with Tim Harris. It's not even Tim, Tim Harrison's not even there yet. He's in the six nations, isn't he? Tim Harrison. What's his name? What's the Harrison guy from the ECB? Why am I even bringing his name up? Completely irrelevant. I've, I've had an absolute breakdown there. Um, probably due to all the, the knees to the head I've had in the past. Yeah. Um, one phrase Doug, that I've heard repeatedly for the last week and a half is the phrase informed consent. Now, I I get I get junior rugby and I get people saying, you know, if we can try and make it safer for, for the kids to a certain degree by reducing the amount of uh, risk from um, brain injury and, and concussion and stuff like that. And, and I get that. What I don't get is enforcing it upon everybody in grassroots rugby. And as I say, the phrase informed consent apply, implies that people setting foot on a rugby pitch have no idea what they're doing. Now, there isn't a person Maybe Ashley Hunt, maybe Ashley Underhill, who we discussed many, many weeks ago. But I don't know of many people, probably a handful, in all of my rugby rugby playing days that have kind of had no idea what they were doing when they set foot up on a rugby pitch, and they were all adults, right? Every rugby player knows there is a danger of getting injured, a danger of a concussion a danger of being hit on the head a danger of breaking a leg breaking an ankle of breaking a neck you know like you've really got to look at like the um the likes of um matty hampson and people that have have broken their necks in certain situations and they've they've moderately adjusted scrum rules because of certain situations um but to, to to change to make such a drastic change that they looking like they're backpedaling on, I think it's an absolute insult to anybody who's played the game as an adult to imply that they didn't really know what they were getting themselves in for into. Doug, Doug's on mute. He is. I you right so lot to unpack there, Russ. So from what from where I'm sitting, you got you got to be very careful when you when you interact with these people because they've got an answer for everything for 
any counter-argument you may present. So if you present the counter-argument, well, I'm an adult, I can make my own choices, they will then come back and say, well, what about the kids? What about the kids in the game? They can't consent to make their own choices. If you go, well, I choose not to have my, my child involved in rugby, but I want to play it because I'm an adult and I'll do that. It's like, well, and I'll, I'll quote the guy that I've been arguing with today. You have to be guided through life with mechanisms of reducing risk because you clearly don't have the ability to understand these risks yourself. So those with more knowledge and education will advise to protect you from your poor decisions. This, this is the kind of, I mean, I, I guess the correct word for it is paternalistic, but in actual fact, it, it's just arrogance and self-flagellation. Like you can't reason with these people. There is no reason for whatever for whatever ideals they're they're fighting for or whatever reasons they have for doing this um or waging this particular war it there there is no way out for the person who just doesn't agree with them and unfortunately the people that run the sport will go with the sensationalists now one of the other things you said was that um all of this is to protect uh, the RFU from the threat of from the threat of litigation. Well, the RFU are already being litigated against, and the argument that those claimants have had is that they weren't properly informed of the risks and so couldn't provide informed consent before they played rugby. Well, they're already claiming, and we've had five years of being given information to make our informed consent. I think it's about time we were just allowed to make it. Yeah, agree. And I think one of the one of the biggest things for me around this this whole thing, even kind of before, um, you know, the the RFU decided to put its massive feet in its even bigger mouth, was was around the the, the likes of Steve Thompson, Alex Popham, you know, Michael Lippmann, all of these people who played the majority of their rugby in an era pre most of these new um, brain injury and concussion rules. So we are, you know, the identification, the, you know, the, the, the head injury assessments, all of that sort of stuff has now been introduced. I mean, it's been a lot more introduced in the last five years, I'd say. Well, most of these people were, have already retired, Ben. Yeah. I'm, I've got quite a lot of sympathy for the players from that generation because I think the game had become close to what it is now in terms of physicality and impacts, but the knowledge of, of, of the brain injuries hadn't caught up. So it's not so much that they, they knew they were getting themselves into something, but I don't think the clubs and the, and the, and the, and the authorities in general were, were had caught up to the game so they probably were allowed to go back on when they shouldn't have done and you know, there was it, it wasn't even a case of going back on Ben they weren't even going off yeah exactly you know stuff was happening then which might have passed in 1970 but not in 2005 so I, I do I do have some sympathy for the you know for their obviously for the, the situation they're in but also for you know their case um but you know, we do know about it now. And I think the most important thing is the care of the players when they do get a knock and, you know, keep them out for longer, play less games. I think taking out the odd accidental high shot isn't really going to make a huge amount of difference, particularly if we're pinballing off people's knees because we've got to go around the shins to make a tackle. We we said it years ago, didn't we, with the, with the, Discussion like seatbelt tackles. I mean, how dangerous is a fucking seatbelt? Alex Popham, that tweet that I just read out verbatim. Alex Popham's just liked it. Yeah, that's what you're up against. You you get someone that um, tweets absolute junk like that to an adult with years of playing the game and wanting to be involved in the game, and then you get someone like Alex Popham retweets it, and you just get this feedback loop of the same shit points of view being regurgitated. And everyone patting each other on the back and telling them, oh, you're so progressive and you're this and you're that. And 
before you know it, it it's it's out there and it is the perceived to be the 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 standard thinking and unfortunately these people have an agenda to push this one i'm sorry i've just railroaded your point completely but these people have an agenda that they want to push and as you've already said ben you don't want to engage in them how many other guys are there out there that share our viewpoint that aren't engaging these people because they're impossible to deal with so they get caught in a loop of thinking that everybody wants it. Everybody doesn't want this. Nobody wants this shit. Nobody wants to have to deal with people telling, uh, who are these people to tell anyone that I'm not capable or educated enough to make my own choices? Yeah. And that's, and that's, the, that's the real problem in all of this. And it takes the back to this, this matter of informed consent. There was the, the cage fighter geezer from last week. Talk all, all he could say in every tweet was inf- like informed consent, informed consent. And then there are other people out there going, well, you know, it, people not, don't know what they were getting themselves into. Um, and then there was the the latest point that I think you brought up um, yesterday or the day before, Doug, was around, oh, well, you know, we'll just shift the narrative slightly. And it's not it's it's not because the risk to to these individuals, it's the burden that these people will be putting on the, the public health system because in the in the, the sheer volume that they're going to be getting injured playing rugby they're putting pressure on the the nhs and but shit like that let's like, let's not forget that this is now a public health burden despite the fact that these rules are going to change everything and the you know the french have embraced it and, and what's on it's going to reduce concussions apparently by i think egg, egg chase have made made the did the maths that it'll reduce it by less than one concussion per team per season so what what is the end game because that's clearly not going to be enough for them it's not going to be enough so where do you go next you've got below the waist tackling what's next scrums will go we've been here before we, we came here before when um the the, the thing that would that had been banned was seatbelt tackling you know we've gone seatbelt nipple line trial waste tackling is going to be gone you've got to accept it you've got to accept this so and what what they're saying is that the you know in certain circumstances the bigger risk is around the volume of numbers in the grassroots game so that's why they're starting it there whereas the the bigger risk the the more physical risk from all this and where everyone is most concerned about um impact injury is in the pro game now i was trying to do some some maths around that the other day and i reckon there can't be more than maybe a thousand professional rugby union players in the country, about a thousand. If you think if there's 10 premiership teams, each with a squad of 45 ish, that's what 450. Then you've got the Champo teams. Let's say they've got a squad of 30 ish. What's that? 750, you know, plus a few pros, in the, the national leagues and, and single pros per team and coaches. So would it, do you reckon it'd be a fair assumption to say there's a thousand um, professional players in the country? Do you say that was a fairly decent well, in, number? In, in England? In England. Yeah. Seems, so, seems fair. So if, if you're going to try and implement something, surely it would be better and especially when you've you've got this product being watched by a lot of other people to start there rather than starting with fat Ken who plays for Scumford well, paraplegic seconds. I think the best point I heard, and I think this was on egg chasers as well, was that kids have been taught to tackle under chest height for years. So will it just trickle through eventually anyway? Well, we've all we were all taught to tackle when whenever whenever yeah. we were a junior, we were all taught to tackle. <laughs> my my first thing about a tackle was if you take away the legs, they can't run. So you tackle around yeah. the legs, so they can't run past you. If I mean, you offload, it's somebody else's job to to tackle. The the upright tackle and the the stop in the offload is is a professional is a thing that's been bought in almost sort of a, a crossover from the rugby league and, and a professional era type of tackle. Yeah, but going off at a slight tangent, all of these law 
changes and interpretations from the framework to to these ones that have come in now they don't take enough into account that the person being tackled is trying not to be tackled so they're they're going to mo- try and move out of the way so you you can aim at their armpit but their armpit isn't going to be where you've aimed or the likelihood is it isn't going to be so it just makes it all more difficult and none of none of that is taken into account um you know it is to it's a bit like um if they if they banned headering in football and you got a yellow card every time you kicked in it, it hit someone in the face yeah. so yeah it just doesn't you know none not that isn't taken enough into account but yeah i do think that if if it is coached enough at lower levels it might just filter through but it, but it naturally is naturally rather but, than but doing it, it. it is already like i don't it is already coached at lower levels i don't know many many junior coaches maybe as they get a little bit older and i don't have a lot of experience in sort of under 14s 15s 16s but again we were all taught to tackle around the legs mm. You know, that was that was where you were supposed to tackle around the, the soft part of the body, like the thighs get round to the you say so your, your head was almost between the, the knee and the hip. So it was kind of thigh level, thigh on shoulder on yeah. thigh. But there's there's no coach in the world that goes, right, go out and try and decapitate someone and get a red card, is there? It's, it, no. it's just and, not a thing. And that also, happens. like, how many times, like, when you were a kid, and I remember this almost vividly of trying to go high on someone that might have been, you know, a big, strong ball carrier and getting absolutely marmalized <laughs> because they ran straight through you because you got it, because you got it wrong as the tackler and they just get brushed off. Not dangerous, but just, you're not going to, you're not stopping them. She's not so, stopping me. You know, <laughs> So, so that's why that's why he was always tackle around the legs. You know, if they offload, fair play to them because that that's good rugby, good play. Mm. But you know, you got to stop them first. Your job is to stop that ball carrier. That's your job to stop him running forward and scoring a try. And that's it. And that's where, as I say, the offload stuff, all of these upright tackles, all of this, you know, all of this stuff that's that's now a, a part of rugby has all come to come to being through the professional game rather than rather than the amateur game. I I, I think largely that there's only two possible outcomes from this. Um, one one is that these lobby groups will get what they want, and rugby will become unwatchable. You won't be well. It'll become become unwatchable for those. And this is the other thing, the, the one of the other arguments they have, which is you're more interested in the product than the people consuming the product. And it's like, yeah, yeah, because that's why I'm into this sport. I'm into the product. If you irrevocably change it, I'll no longer be into it. And, and one of the things that I've frequently brought up is how many people are going to come back to rugby having left because of the dangers due to these law changes? How many are going to come back? Because all I see these law changes doing is people going the other way and leaving. They're going to leave the sport. They're not going to come back to it. And so you can argue that rugby needs to do this. uh, It needs to change in order to um, survive. Well, maybe it, by changing to make the game survive we're actually killing it quicker and and that that's a real problem now there's only one one of two ways this will go as i've said one is that they'll get their way and rugby will be this thing that we all look back on when we're 60 and go do you remember that game we used to play rugby i mean what 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 am I watching? I don't watch Northampton now. They don't play rugby. They play this weird game that I don't recognise. Or enough people will reject this idea. There will be a breakaway union which will play to rules we all want to play to and it may be a smaller sport but it will be the sport we love. But nobody will be able to get insurance, Doug. 
Who will insure well, them? Think of the well, children. Believe me, someone will insure it. <laughs> because if there's one thing insurance companies like, it's money. <laughs> the, yeah. The provisional wing of the RFU, is that what they're calling it? Yeah, well, look, the <laughs> RFU have proved themselves not fit to run the game. There are enough people out there. I believe they are firmly, firmly in the minority when it comes to dictating the prevailing thoughts. Unfortunately, they have a very large platform and they have scared the powers that be into believing, or as I said yesterday, that they bought the magic beans that these people are selling. Um, there are certain people that with the governing body providing their livelihood have to toe the party line um a conversation i've told you about that i had yesterday where i said look what i said earlier we've had five years of information about what the dangers of the game are and we you know it was about you know you can't you don't know what you're getting into when you sign up there's no informed consent it's like well I've had five years of information about how dangerous rugby is and how dangerous high tackles are, and I'm still willing to, with informed consent, play the sport. Why do we need to make these changes? And the only answer I got back was, because we don't know everything yet. We're never going to know everything. We're never going to know, because academics who are paid to provide reports about how dangerous rugby are are always going to find something to, that is dangerous about rugby, because guess what? If they don't, they don't have a job. I did say this, and, and I can't remember how many years ago I said this, but why um, Premiership, and I'll just use that as a, as a sweeping example, um, people's contracts did not have a, a waiver that says, you know, by signing this contract to play for professional rugby, provided you're not putting undue risk, like over the top, levels of risk um you're not able to sue us or x um for any injuries sustained whilst whilst undertaking this contract i don't understand what you know if a player if a player's gonna if they're not gonna sign it they're not gonna sign it well no rugby for you then sunny jim no problem. Go, 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 go and find Milado. Milado, no yeah. You, Milado. Go, go and <laughs> There's a there's today's podcast title anyway, um, <laughs> but but yeah, if, if you're not going to sign it, then then you don't play. There you go. Yeah. There's your informed consent, right? Yeah. If if you sign it, you you withhold all your your rights to sue anyone for anything. I Be, I couldn't agree more. I don't solved. understand why that is not part of the signing on process that there is now. Yes. Given all the literature, and the, it's very simple, the RFU could provide a fucking ring binder for every single player that signs um, on with a club, giving them all the statistics, all the reports that are there to date, all of the stats on injuries at amateur level or the level for which you're signing up to, all of the fitness um, benefits Mate, that you get from they, rugby. They've even got they, a they fucking... provide all of this, and then at the end of it say... By accepting this and reading this document, you are consenting to the inherent risk of the sport. Do you still wish to continue? Yes. They, they don't even uh, need a fucking ring binder. They've got a whole system that is almost specifically designed to be able to undertake this sort of thing. The RFU is a thing called the game management system, which every single player that plays at any tier or any level of rugby from where Samuel plays at under eights all the way through to, well, national leagues, I suppose they are registered on the game management system. All they have to do at the start of every season is before you're allowed to play, before your registration is confirmed terms and conditions, a bit like when you want to purchase something from Apple, have you read the terms and conditions? Yes, mate. Except no problem. No idea what they are but I accept them because it's my responsibility and I'm an adult. Rightly or wrongly, bang, click, done. Thank you. Otherwise, no rugby for you, Milado. And what about the children? 
What about yeah. the children? Because they can't give informed consent. But well, I can give informed consent. How, I'm how do parent. we square that stuff? But Russ, if you if you consent to your child playing rugby and they and to the risk of them getting a traumatic brain injury trademark, um, you're a child abuser. Well, that I mean, yeah, allegedly, allegedly, because he's not choosing. He's not choosing to go to the rugby pitch. I'm forcing him every single time. Believe I've, me, I force anyone, him onto that pitch. Anyone who has that viewpoint clearly doesn't have kids. Because if your kid doesn't want to go to do something, they'll kick up bloody murder until you don't take them. Yeah, absolutely. And we have we have kids under under eight, the right? That didn't want to go to rugby anymore. And guess what? You didn't go to rugby anymore. Yeah. Yeah, we've got kids. I mean, we talk about. I can only talk about my my team specifically, but we've got 20, 20 under eights playing tag rugby at the minute. Twenty. Every team that comes to us or we go away, we're traveling to, we traveled to Launceston the other week with 17 kids, 17 specific under eights. And then to add to that, there was another 12. All, all being abused to, under, a, to yeah, a child. By their parents. There, there's going to um, be a generation of children who grow yeah. up as abused children. And, and add to that, there was another 12 under seven. So as a Nuki under sevens and under eights, two separate teams, we rocked up with 29 kids to play rugby at Launceston. Guess how many Launceston had? They had one team, combined sevens and eights, and they had seven kids. Seven. Mad. I'm not sure what the relevance is that is. I'm just saying, <laughs> you know, humble brag. No, I'm but, not either, really. Um, what but, I, what but what I'm going to go to say, sorry, is those boys, right? And, and we've got two girls, um, two girls that play on our team uh, who, who are brilliant and they have lots of fun and they can play even when, when they start tackling and, and it's all, all in together. But they are starting to realise, they, they wrestle at school, they like play fight, you know, they bash into each other. They run into each other. They run into walls. They're fucking idiots, most of them. <laughs> they're eight-year-old idiots. And they they don't really, you know, understand rugby, but they understand carrying a ball, running pretty straight, and trying to grab a, grab a tag. Now, call this child abuse, if you will. But my, my lad, Samuel, um, he's not the quickest not the fastest across the ground, which may shock you, but he's quite strong. So we had a discussion and we've been having discussions about this. I said, look, mate, we're not, we're not run rounders. We can't, we can't run round. So if we're going to be successful at rugby, we've got to go straight. Right. And, and he started, he's just started running straight. Right. If a kid's in his way, it's up to the kid to step out the way and take his tag. Otherwise, he's going straight through. And that's what he does. Under ace. And some of the coaches, some of the other coaches and in other teams are like, oh, well, you're not supposed to run at people. I'm like, yeah, but, you know, it's a much responsibility of the tagger because you can't, if the tags are on the either side of the hip and you run straight at someone, it's hard to take that tag from the side, isn't it? It's a good tactic. <laughs> but but they're starting to realise, they're starting to, they're starting to get it, is what is what I'm saying. And, you're not gonna you're not gonna take that away from them. Boy, you know, but I say boys will be boys, but they will find a way to be physical with each other in a sporting environment, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean one of my major problems is that um everyone's just expected to sit down and listen to everything these people have got to say. Without but question. Not a single one of them is interested in what we want to say back. None of them. They, they just don't care. And they and, get and right, they get the right royal lump when we don't care what they say. That is the largest issue. Anytime you question them, they will answer back with something. And it's usually along the lines of you need to educate yourself. You're not educated enough. You don't care. You're a child abuser. You're this, you're that. There is nothing about them that is flexible or malleable. It's everything is their way, their way only. And if you don't do it, you're wrong. And, and it's condescending, 
arrogant. Everything about that side of the coin is what I feel is the the the, the they the, that argument essentially represents everything that's wrong for me with society at the moment. The the what aboutism, the aversion to risk, the joyless nature of their lives, the absolute The, the sort of valuing of the, the valuing of okay so i'm tying myself up a bit here a bit but for example that doctor today he's a spinal surgeon right so that guy believes that the fact that he's a spinal surgeon makes his opinion on rugby more value than mine because he's got a higher level of education well congratulations mate you can fix spines right that's great doesn't mean you know more about rugby than me doesn't mean you know more about the, the ins and outs of level eight rugby, because I guarantee you don't. I asked him four times pointedly today, do you accept the risk when you step onto a rugby field? And he never once answered it because he's never stepped foot on a rugby field. But the ones that get to me, are you'll, you'll have a, a tweet, I don't know, Sky or BT or, or tweet an incident where there's been a red card and it's clear as, day that it's an accident there's no there's no he's not trying to take his head off he's not trying to smash on in Iraq it's just an accident and the first comment will always be at pace check uh hits him in the jaw check and you know I'm a muling I'm a, mule, I'm a muling cunt check. and it's like okay well you you've proved you like spreadsheets but you've not proved you like rugby but yeah. they <laughs> They act like they're the, the the arbiters of that situation. It's like, well, it's obvious to everyone, everyone with a brain. And then it's like, I bet you're the kind of person that like used to like to watch um, big hit videos. And it's like, yeah, I was. I still am. <laughs> yeah. So let's so let's you let's let's take an example of that then, Ben, because something I did want to talk about before we kind of wrap up and uh, maybe have a little chat about the the impending six nations is. An example of of the what I what I would say is the you know the counterintuitive nature of this whole scenario. Stefan Levy's got sent off for uh, Harlequins yesterday. Doug, did you see it? You see Levy's sending off? And uh, he hit. See it? I filmed well, you, it. You filmed it. Okay. <laughs> All right. Hum, humble brag. <laughs> so <clears throat> so Levy's got sent off for for that ruck hit on um, Cunningham South, right? Now. In today's in today's laws in today's game, you know what what he did was deemed a red card offence, and I've got no issue with that, given that, that that's the current um, guidance laws. What I have got an issue with is if watching that video, why Cunningham himself then is not immediately withdrawn for for a HIA, given that the very reason for the red card is to reduce those types of injury injuries and impacts. What some people are saying, well, you can't, you can't choose, um, you know, out, can't choose the outcome based on, or based on the, the sanction or whatever it is, or the sanction based on the outcome is that if they want to be taken seriously, if the RFU premiership rugby world rugby, if they want to be taken seriously, clear and obvious, high impacts to the head of that nature, Cunningham South needs to be withdrawn, HIA'd, and then if he's fine, bring him back. No problem. But but he wasn't. So then you've got people on one side of the fence saying, well, if, if he was checked out by the medics on the pitch and, you know, they thought he was all right, then, then he was fine. So you've got those people. And then you've got the people saying, which is kind of where I'm coming from, is that you can clearly see he's been hit on the head, right? If you want to be taken seriously, then that needs to have have a HIA. No, I'm not tails. What the, the tails wagging the dog? Yeah, exactly. The say? tails wagging the dog because the, it was really interesting. Sorry, it was really interesting listening to you, Ugo, try and explain it away as not being a red card. <sighs> yeah, I mean, I don't. Yeah, have he's a yeah, he's one of the, the big. He's one of the biggest yeah. fucking Mueller's 
around the, the tackle height thing to try and so, keep his job. It, some, some, something like that. It should be a red card. He's hitting yeah. in the back of the neck and the head. And But it is, like I say, it's the tail wagging the dog because you've sent off the guy who's done it, fine. It, but the guy that's actually potentially injured, nothing's been done about that. So, so it's exactly as you said. Um, he should he should be also. I know you know you could say, oh, that's penalising the team with the injured player, but it's not the because the day, they get a free substitution for ten minutes. While yeah, and he's, also, he's just been hit in the, the head. Yeah, he's just been hit in the head by a nineteen stone man, so he probably does need his head looking at. Um, one thing I would say, and this is a tangent. Um, do you remember Sonic the Hedgehog? <laughs> I do. Do you remember if you uh, like got got to a certain level and you would get the uh, all all the rings would like fly up and you'd get a little sound effect? Yeah, I, I, I am a little bit surprised that Doug, if Doug filmed that, that there isn't a copy going around with that sound effect just as he makes contact. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just giving him an idea. Um, yeah, but but, but you I see, you see going with that. Yeah, I do. I I think we 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 we're sort of potentially treading on the same ground we've already trod on now. Um, I'm going to leave this here. I'm now done engaging in any form of conversation about this. If these rule changes come in, and if they're implemented across the game on a global level. I will never consume rugby if it's played like that ever again. I won't take the kids to rugby. I won't watch rugby. I'll work on it because that's my job. Um, I'm already enjoying it way less this season than I ever have. Like to the point where I'm thinking, well, maybe I should go and do something different, go and do a different sport because I'm getting nothing out of this anymore. Um, I think we'll stop doing this because we won't be watching rugby. Um, I mean, well, half the half the point behind it, though, the reason why we're now the most infrequent rugby podcast is that our own enjoyment has diminished to such a level that it makes it almost impossible to to talk about with any enthusiasm. What are we six years, six seven years? This will be this is there'll be seven years in May. Seven years we've been doing this, and. When we started, we were making videos, we were doing live pods, we, we were doing all kinds of stuff. Between the four of us, we'd watch every single rugby match that week, international, occasionally Pro 14, um, whatever rugby was on the telly, we'd watch. But slowly, the game's been eroded to the point where the first half of London Irish was 54 minutes this weekend. 54 minutes, and they had two fucking water breaks. Yet we're the, the ones game, with the problem. And the product is unwatchable and reactionary and listening to the wrong people. And as I've said, I can't remember if I said this last time, but when you alienate people who who are your core audience to the point where they stop watching, how can you expect to just get new new viewers out of the ether yeah people didn't like rugby going back years they like football changing the tackle height isn't going to stop darren from going to west brom and all of a sudden go and watch fucking sale he's not going to do it rugby fans are rugby fans and they have been for generations and you're pulling the game out from underneath them and you're going to lose everyone and you're going to end up with nothing that's what's going to happen now you may call it sensationalist. You may call it reactionary. I'll tell you what I call it. Fact. <laughs> it is fact. For the sake of a few fucking Karens who won't shut up and a few fucking Neils, who's a spinal surgeon, who's, funnily enough, linked to progressive rugby. You know, it, it is beyond insane that it's got to this point. It hasn't happened in rugby league. Because Rugby League told them to fuck off. We opened the door a tiny little bit to these people 
and they've kicked the fucking thing down, thrown in a flashbang, slotted everyone in the room, and got out on fucking cables out the window. <laughs> now they're putting deck cord all around the bottom floor, and they're going to blow the fucking building up. <laughs> That's one of the best analogies I've ever heard. <laughs> The RFU is currently residing in the Iranian embassy. <laughs> right. Uh, do you two have any interest in talking about the Six Nations for a minute? Or should we or should we get back together once we've seen England play? What do you reckon, Ben? Sorry, I'm just finding me cut cut out. Just finding me plug because the battery's about to run out. We're here now. Yeah, so what I, will, what I just wanted to say, obviously this Saturday sees England uh, play Scotland, Calcutta Cup, Six Nations, Steve Borthwick's first game. And I'm hearing rumours today that um, the combination of Ford and Farrell has been very much training together this week. Uh, sorry, Ford and Farrell, Smith and Farrell. Are we likely, or do you think there'll be any major changes or or deviations in the approach for England under Borthwick, Ben? I, I think that, that they'll probably do what most new coaches do. It It's what happened when Eddie Jones took over, when Lancaster turned over, and they'll play it pretty basic. And it will it, be fairly tight. And I think they'll, you know, it won't be, they won't be trying to play any, of the sort of clever moves that Eddie Jones was trying and failing to bring in. I think it will be quite up the jumper stuff and low risk. And I think they'll try and just try and sneak a win as much as anything. Yeah. Result and regardless of play, performance results tend to yeah. turn the tide pretty quickly. Don't they? You, you, you want to, you want to win your first game, don't you? And I think with the number of injuries they seem to be getting that I, I'm not sure the team will look even that much different bar in the few you know replacements that they've got to make through injury I think um you know there'll be a lot of familiar faces in there Doug what do you think about uh, newing new old England uh, uh I'm more interested in watching Italy to be honest I think Italy uh going to be interesting this year i think england are going to be fucking boring man they've got eddie jones you know they've got six foot seven eddie jones in charge at the moment um it's going to be dire dire rugby box kick it's gonna be box kicks and line outs um we may win a few games um we probably won't win them all we'll definitely lose to france i can definitely see us losing to wales as well um We'll probably beat Ireland, and well, we've got to yeah. go to Ireland, haven't we? We've got all the Blues at home, so yeah, I'd... we've got to go to Ireland and go to Wales. I've got to be honest, we're we're picking the bones of a side at the moment. There's there's so many injuries that it's not really. I mate, um, short answer. I don't really care what happens. Um, I'm at Twickenham on the fourth for the Scotland game. Uh, yeah, I I don't really give a shit. Are you there on the twelfth for the Italy game on the Sunday? No, I'm not. Well, fuck you no. then. <laughs> Gladly. Um, <laughs> I, I I don't think. I I don't think uh, we'll do very well. I mean, picking picking Smith and Farrell is, you know, what's the definition of an insanity? Yeah. You know. They got Tuolangi, uh, Lawrence, Porter. I mean, since he joined Bath, Lawrence has, has looked almost a phenomenon. Like he's, he's Lawrence is the one the one thing that I'd I'd be looking forward to watching. And, and but you know, last time he played, the ball didn't get outside Farrell. Yeah. So exactly because you know, it was you, too tense. You can stick a fucking Henry Hoover out there for all it matters. <laughs> what was it? Stick a, a mop with a with a <laughs> sticking up to a mop with a bucket for a head out there. That's it. <laughs> there we go. Right. Well, maybe we'll we'll come together over the next well, couple of weeks and assess I, what that looks one, like. One one thing I will say is um anyone surprised that Netflix are currently thinking of pulling out of the documentary series <laughs> because of uh access issues. Fucking shambles. Stupid, isn't it? 
So Real stupid. stupid. Uh, I, I was just going to say, I think England probably three wins. And I if think... we get three wins, that would be deemed a success, surely. Yeah. They're, yeah. They're, they're beat Scotland and Italy think... at home. Maybe beat Wales away. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. And then Saturday, the 11th of February, Ireland, France, that, you know, whoever wins that is going to win the tournament, surely. Let's all hope it's France. Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. Uh, one one thing I would say about the Netflix thing is if uh, I was in charge of the RFU and Netflix came in and wanted to make a programme about rugby and there were questions about access, I would ask, how far up Steve Borthwick's anus do you want the cameras to be? <laughs> you and I would make fucking well sure that Steve Borthwick listened to everything I said and that those cameras got in every single crevice of that England changing room. <laughs> I thought you were going to say I'd make damn sure Steve Borthwick had a shower. <laughs> <laughs> But it's just staggering that, um, A, the employees of the unions that are being paid by Netflix are allowed to dictate this. B, that they can't see what their actions might do to the popularity of rugby. And C, it's just so arrogant. It really is. When you look at the success of the all or nothing type genre. You look at Drive to Survive, you know, I've not watched it, but I've heard it's phenomenal if you like F1. You know, I'm insanely looking forward to the cut. I think the PGA one, I think it'll be fucking amazing. You know, these things, this is what people want to watch. They want to watch proper as much as possible, fly on the wall type stuff. Do you remember how successful Live that living with the lions was the 97 living with the lions proper behind the scenes and authentic. And it was absolutely brilliant. And that sort of thing could be brought back, but the RFU are so fucking, they've got their ties tied up so tight and that top button done up that they're just not fucking, yeah, they're fucking stupid, man. All of them are fucking stupid. Self-interests. It's what it's all about. It's not interest in rugby. It's not interested in the good of the game. It's self-interest, which is really unfortunate. Um, so let, let's leave rugby there for a minute. I would say let's get into many other business, but uh, as I, as it's you two, um, any recommendations for TV? <laughs> uh... Or Doug, do you want to explain what happened at dinner time? Yeah, I'm currently sat with my hand on an ice pack after running it under a tap for most of the night because I was finishing a venison strap in the oven in the frying pan after after searing it. Uh, the oven was at 220 degrees. The pan was in there for four minutes. I opened the oven to take the pan out and did so without an oven glove. And I've now got a perfectly... Um, frying pan shaped burn all across the palm of my hand which is extremely painful and makes me realize just how nails Nicky Lauder is <laughs> that's fair that's fair Ben have you got any other business or any other TV recommendations it, the only thing I've really enjoyed on TV recently was uh, Vikings Valhalla which is the sort of sequel to the original Vikings and uh, it's not a it's not a work of art, but it's, it's quite entertaining. Very enjoyable. Um, that's, that's the main TV recommendation I've got at the moment, which isn't, isn't very glowing, but it's, it's well worth watching. Yeah, I'd go, gonna... Sorry, I'd, uh, I'll give you a couple of TV recommendations. Mo on Netflix, if you want it. And uh, for All Mankind on Apple TV. I think I may have done that before, but it's essentially an alternative uh history look at the space race oh okay um well as you know my tv recommendations are usually shit but i'll give you two anyway um i'm in the midst of uh, a paramount show called mayor of kingstown that i'm quite enjoying i don't know if, if either of you have watched any of that and the other one that i've not started yet but i've been told it is is all time uh and very 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 good is yellowstone yeah, I've, I've, both of those. I've um, I started Yellowstone and couldn't get into it, so jib it off. Fair, but I've heard it's very, very good. But I recommend Mary Kingstown. 
enjoying it so far. Right, let's get out of here. We uh, will be back at some point during the Six Nations. If you got this far, thanks for listening, uh, Milado. And uh, we'll be back at some point in very soon. Uh, go well. Cheers. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.